3,454 of the Survival Podcast, and uh, I think it's episode 48 of the Bitcoin Breakout. I'm really not sure about that one. I'll have to check on it for you. Uh, I knew that number just before we went in. 48, I was right. Episode 48 of Bitcoin Breakout. We did not have a Bitcoin Breakout in February. It wasn't really by design. It was by... Kind of happenstance, like Bitcoin was doing what it did, and I, I'm not going to force Bitcoin breakout episodes in, uh, as I've said before, because of certain obstinance within the prepper community. These shows are my least popular by subject show that I do by a long shot. I, the honest to God truth is, since I started doing Friday flashbacks, Friday flashbacks, and I'm talking the audio side here because it's always been much smaller on on the YouTube side. Uh, but the uh, the Friday flashbacks as audios get more downloads than Bitcoin episodes, and I think that's because people want to have fun staying poor. And we'll talk a little bit about that kind of narcissistic asshole statement that a lot of Bitcoin maxis make at the end of the show. And kind of the upshot of that will be just because it is an asshole statement doesn't mean it's wrong or untrue. Anyway, what, what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about Bitcoin in a variety of ways. We're going to talk about the net inflows to the ETFs and, and what that did to all of the Bitcoin that was mined in February. All the new Bitcoin is gone. It's, it's, in, it's in Van Eck and BlackRock and Grayscale and all of that good stuff. And I'll show you that, by the way. Um, and it's also only beginning. Bitcoin's market cap... Last time we talked about this was around 800 million. The Bitcoin market cap as of this morning is 1.11 trillion dollars. Bitcoin is once again a trillion dollar asset and uh, is about to eat silver. And then it will begin to eat other things that we've talked about and uh, that will march on. We'll discuss a little bit about this phrase that we talk about in the Bitcoin community all the time. Bitcoin has no top because... Fiat has no bottom. Everybody likes to talk about the devaluation of the dollar since 1913. Most of the humanity was not alive in 1913 when that started. I guess that would make you, what, 101 or 111? Maybe somebody made it that far, 111? Um, so nobody really remembers 1913 anymore other than in the history books. And in 1933, of course, we revalued the dollar against gold uh, from $20 an ounce to $33 an ounce. But not many people really remember the 1930s either, yeah? You know what people do remember? The 1970s is not that long ago. We're going to talk about how much the dollar has been devalued since 1971 when we came off the last vestiges of the gold standard and how that applies to Bitcoin having no bottom because or top because fiat has no top. Uh, bottom. Ah, you know what I mean. Damn it. You know the thing. <laughs> I had a Biden moment there. Is that a new thing now? Instead of a senior moment, are you call it a Biden moment or a branded moment? Anyway, I had a branded moment there. But yes, um, Bitcoin has no top because fiat has no bottom. Um, and we'll talk about how not only will we not fix the current fiat system. They can't. The only way to fix the fiat system is to completely get rid of it and bring in a new monetary system. 
and I'll explain why. And there's really no way around that. And we're going to talk about some of the technologies that are being built on and for Bitcoin. We'll talk a little bit about Noster and what I think needs to come next in that universe. But we'll also talk about Lightning. And it is being attacked. So people are like, they're going to attack it. Yeah, good. Good. Because when they attacked Bitcoin, what did we say? Good. Good. Go ahead. Attack and try to prevent something that's inevitable and see how it works out for you. And we'll also talk about something most of you have never heard of, even you Bitcoin maxis out there. Probably, unless you are on Noster, I doubt you've ever heard of Cashew. Not Cashew the nut. Cash, C-A-S-H-U. Cash, U. What is that? It's Long before Bitcoin, there was a concept of something called eCash that would be the cash network for money on the internet and it would be private completely private and it never worked it sort of kind of but didn't work then bitcoin came bitcoin became the monetary system there are now people that are building this cashew which is basically e-cash on bitcoin which will be a private way to use bitcoin and completely unstoppable and it will serve a different purpose than lightning will long term okay uh, we'll also talk about if you want to buy Bitcoin, yes, you got to do your KYC shit. I'll give you my comments on supposedly, uh, we found out a few weeks ago that Liz Warren, Elizabeth Pocahontas Warren, uh, did a 180 on her stance on Bitcoin because she had a flag raised over the Capitol in honor of Bitcoin. I'm going to tell you that I think this happened, but I think it was some sort of insider prank, and I'll tell you why. I'll show you why. And I'll tell you why, and I'll try to explain it to you. Um, K's of Cami says, thought this was supposed to start 10 minutes from now. Yeah, I say it all the time, but we always actually set our start time for like 12.10 or 12.15, so that if something goes wrong, we don't get canceled by some of the sources like Facebook. So if you want to know when an episode uh, that's a live stream is really going to start, TSPC Live will always tell you the next upcoming stream unless... I haven't updated it since the one that was just done. So just something that. Uh, yeah, uh, Bitcoin Puritan says Bitcoin has already eaten silver. If you distinguish between monetary and industrial silver, sure, but I don't because I said the silver market cap when I made the prediction. So that would be cheating, and I'm not going to cheat. Uh, moving on, uh, the, we are going to talk about the halving being only eight weeks away now and what that will mean relative to where we start. We're kind of bookending there with the ETFs. And then we're going to talk a little bit about my advice on what to use because I keep getting questions. Where do I buy Bitcoin? What kind of wallet do I use, etc. I have a whole page for that. TheBitcoinBreakout.com TheBitcoinBreakout.com forward slash tools. Everything I recommend is there. It does need some updating. There's nothing there I wouldn't still recommend, but some of the stuff may not be available to certain people. And there's some new things I need to add to it. But for people starting out, there's no reason you can't find what you need to know there. And uh, we'll talk about Wall of Satoshi being one of those things and what to do if you have money in Wall of Satoshi and Lightning. People think their money's trapped in Wall of Satoshi. It's not. But you may actually have to put more in to make it financially worth getting it out. It's not hard. It's just, yes, you have money in there. Yes, it's in Lightning form. But Wall of Satoshi is not serving customers in America because of our government anymore for Lightning. So you just have to send it back on chain. And we'll talk about what to do if you're stuck in there. And I am going to end completely with this concept of have fun staying poor and why even though it is an asshole, dickheaded thing to say, it's not wrong. It's not wrong. And there is no way around it. Um, now, if you have a question, 
you need to do what Chase did here. You need to put it in all caps, question, and then your question. I will also say that if you showed up today so that you can bitch about, complain about, mock, put down Bitcoin, be a hater to Bitcoin or anything like that, I'm going to ignore you. I'm not even going to look at your comment. I don't have time for you. Like I said, the last Bitcoin breakout we did, if you are still saying stupid shit like it's going to go to zero, you are no longer intelligent enough at this point to have a conversation with you about Bitcoin. I'm done. There's other people that can hold your hand through enough of the learning process to at least get past that. I'm not that guy anymore. I've done it. I did it for 11 years. That's long enough. I have handed off the baton to other influencers in this space. I only now work with people in Bitcoin who are at least on board with the idea. You are meaningless to me. If you're going to just sit here and tell me it's going to go to zero or the government's going to shut it down or whatever, or they'll shut off the internet, it'll all be worth nothing while you have a bank account and a 401k plan. I will just ignore you. You're dead to me. Anyway, with that in mind, before we get started, let's go ahead and hear from our sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the num number one today. Sponsor of the day number one today. What's wrong with me? Is Above Phone. Look, big tech is where they shut you down. If you are using an above phone right now, you probably can use Wallet of Satoshi and you don't give a flying shit about where you live because it's, it's not necessarily tied to where you live anymore. And there's plenty of other uh, Lightning wallets and other options. And you have your own app store that you can use that's completely open source and protected from big tech. Your carrier can't spy on you. The app makers can't spy on you. Uh, and the, uh, the technology companies behind the scenes can't spy on you and then collect and sell your information anymore. You can have total freedom with a great phone. And how do you like 75 bucks off any phone at AbovePhone.com? If you're an MSB member, any of the phones that are at AbovePhone.com, they will give you 75 bucks off. And when you get your shiny, fancy new phone and it doesn't have all those apps preloaded on it because, well, you put what you want on it and you're not sure what to do with it, it comes with one free hour of consulting from an above phone expert who will get on the phone with you and walk you through exactly how to use your new phone. And you can even do what I did, which is kind of transition, like have your regular phone and have your above phone and use it more as a device on wireless networks until you're totally comfortable with it or until you're willing to give up your other tech. Uh, but one way or another, take your tech back. And another way you can take your tech back is Start9. Hey, I mentioned Lightning. Do you know what? You know what you can do with Start9? Start now, you can run your own Lightning node, you can run your own Bitcoin node, so that fits well for today's episode. But you can also have end-to-end -end encrypted messaging with anybody you want to let into your group. You can access all your files from anywhere in the world across the Tor network. You control your data and you control access to your data. You give absolutely nothing up. And all it takes is a little box uh, about this big, the one I'm holding up right here. Uh, you plug it in, you follow some instructions, you set it up. And if you can install apps on a phone... You can use a Start9 Embassy server, and they'll give you 9% off everything that they sell uh, at Start9.com if you're an MSB member as well. So we have two great supporters there, not just sponsors that pay to be mentioned on the air. They actually support this audience. With that, let's go ahead and get into um, the show. And again, if you have a question, this is how to do it. And again, if you are here to make fun of Bitcoin or mock Bitcoin or tell me I'm stupid or anything else, I'm done. Um, the only thing of ignoring my advice has done is make you poor. That's all it has done. And uh, my other thing is, if you're going to ask me questions about shit coins like XRP or something or ETH or whatever, I'm not even going there. This is a Bitcoin breakout episode, not your shit coin de jour uh, episode. Just to be clear, I'm not being a dick. 
just telling you from the beginning. So when I ignore you, you know why you're being ignored. And if somebody asks in the future who wasn't here from the beginning, Class A, please tell them he's not going to talk about your shitcoin today and he doesn't care about your complaints. Um, anyway, moving on. I am trying to mark these questions as they come in. And uh, I will try not to read them so I don't get distracted so we can head forward. So let's start off with something that I think is pretty flippin' amazing. So I found this chart. I don't remember who showed it to me at first, but it's run by Dune. And it is net inflows and outflows to all the Bitcoin ETFs combined. Those that are watching the video, if you look on the screen right now, the dark purple is Grayscale. And there was a lot of outflows from Grayscale as people rebalanced into lower fee funds and went into one of the other funds with BlackRock being the biggest gainer out of all of them and others doing fairly well, honestly, as well. Um, Grayscale, everybody thought, is the big loser in this. Grayscale's not a loser in this at all. Grayscale won by math. They could have lost 80% of their base It, and, and if they had if they had cut their fees to you know match people like Van Eck, they would have ended up in the same place. So everything above keeping 20% of the Bitcoin under management that they had is a win by not cutting fees. And as you can see, they lost maybe 15% of their holdings. So the math totally you know works out for them, and they probably will begin to grow again uh, now that the rebalancing is kind of over as everybody competes now to get into different pension funds and things like that. The big news, though, is you see that the, the, the top line go up, right? Uh, number go up, in this case not price, but total Bitcoin under management. Here's what the net flows for February ETFs were, and we do have one and a half days left. It's the 27th, we got one more day, and I think, is, is this year a... A leap year, do we have 29? I, I, I don't know that uh, one way or the other right now. But uh, we do have at least a day and a half, if not two and a half days in February. But there were 84,000, and I rounded down too, to even numbers, 84,650 Bitcoin went into the ETF's net. Meaning when you calculate what went in, what came out from February 1 till today, 84,000. Almost 85,000 Bitcoin went in to the ETFs. And most of the stuff that goes into ETFs, guys, it is going to be pension management long-term holdings. What does that mean? That means the total Bitcoin mined in February to date was about 24,300 Bitcoin. We mine about 900 Bitcoin a day. It's math. It just works out that way. You could, I know some people might be new to Bitcoin. And so you could turn up, you could double the mining network. And you still get 900 a day. You just have more people competing for those 900. This is set in stone. It cannot change except when it does, which will be the halving. We'll get to that later. And the halving happens about every four years. Uh, but what that does mean is the ETF took 3.48x all new mined Bitcoin. Basically three and a half times all the new Bitcoin went into ETFs. Very few people buying Bitcoins in the ETFs were buying Bitcoin outside of ETFs before, because why would you? I, I, this is something I struggled trying to get across to people and into their brains uh, for quite a long time, 
as we led up to the ETFs and then the ma- you know it's the maxis that were all fudding it you know this is going to be the end of Bitcoin like people that told you Bitcoin global adoption was coming for 10 years then started giving you FUD because there's an ETF based on it and said stupid shit like don't sell your, your ETF to BlackRock they did that for what like eight weeks leading up to it about two weeks after it and now 99% of them have shut the fuck up and gone back to their other bullshit thank you guys appreciate you finally shutting up about that and now they realize, you know, it really is a good thing, and I was just out of shit to talk about. Um, but this is the beginning. Bitcoin's market cap, with all of this going on, is now $1.11 trillion. It's a trillion-dollar asset class. Silver's market cap is $1.26 trillion. I'm going to put out a prediction right here. Jack prediction, you can, you know, what, what did... What did uh, what did Jerry or, or Barry say in, in, in 1995, I think it was, with the third trip or the fourth trip back to the Super Bowl for the Cowboys? We will win, printed in two inch letters or something like that. So you can print this from Jack in two inch letters. Before the halving, Bitcoin's market cap will eat silver's market cap. The halving's eight weeks away. We'll talk about that more later. But that's, and then once that happens, then Bitcoin is sitting there looking at, like, what do I eat next? You know what it eats next? The next highest market cap out of all the major assets in the world is Google. And Google's market cap is $1.7 trillion. You can also put down in my predictions that sometime this year, Bitcoin will, will topple Google's market cap. Bitcoin will topple Google's market cap in 2024. I don't know if this will happen for the others that I'm about to mention, but it certainly could. And I'll explain why with price action in a second. The next things after that are Microsoft and Apple. Microsoft's uh, market cap is $3 trillion. Apple's is $2.7 trillion. To, ta- to topple both of them, to go past Apple, the Bitcoin price needs to hit $154,000 roughly. That's totally within the projections of what you could expect in this cycle, even if we didn't have the ETF. I'll say that again. Even if we didn't have the ETF. Just on historical cycles, 10xing the last bottom is pretty standard for Bitcoin at this point. 10xing the last bottom. The last bottom was around 15. 10x that, you got 150. I think it's highly probable that during this cycle... Bitcoin will outstretch not only Google and Silver, but Apple and Microsoft for, micro, for, for, for market cap. Now, remember, they can play games. They can buy back shares. They can issue new shares. There's all kinds of bullshit that they can pull. So yeah, that's one of the reasons that we like Bitcoin over things like stocks and fiat, because the, the, the share volume, if you want to look at it that way, is, is math, it's concrete, and it's permanent. Uh, we're not done yet, though, really looking at where this is going. I, I want to I caution you from this mindset that people seem to have of, I missed the opportunity. I, I keep hearing that. You know, when I, when I heard that the first time, it would have been about 2013, and then 2014, and then 2017 during that huge bull run. Uh, I heard it a lot then, and, and, and then in 2020... When you know COVID hit, and then all of a sudden all the 
uh, good bullish stuff for Bitcoin happened. MicroStrategy and Michael Saylor came out hard, and you know Elon did do some rug pull shit, but overall, like he helped because he put Bitcoin on the Tesla balance sheet, etc. And so I heard it then, and then I heard stupid shit like when the price was dropping from the all-time high of that cycle, when it goes to 25, I'm backing up the truck. When it goes to 20, I'm backing up the truck. When it goes to 11, I'm backing up the truck. And the truck never got backed up, and that's just people talking, and they're full of shit. We have got to get to a point where we start to understand the real power of what's, what's going on here. This is a, paradox, a paradigm shift in economics in the world. This is the establishment of a new financial order. And I know it's very hard for you to get your head around, but you have to ask yourself, if that wasn't the case, how do we get here? 2008, Bitcoin is a white paper and an idea, okay? All along the way, there's been literally trillions of dollars spent on propaganda, mis- and disinformation about Bitcoin. If you take the value, like... If you were trying to destroy something and you wanted to buy advertising and you think about all the media outlets that played their part and did what they were told by the governments of the world and the banks of the world, it's a multi-trillion dollar marketing negative campaign against Bitcoin. Yeah, that's what happened. Bitcoin has been pronounced dead hundreds of times by credible sources like Jim Cramer, right? Um, Peter Schiff et al., And in spite of that, it goes from an idea in 2008 to being a top 10 global asset class by 2024. If it's not a paradigm shift in the financial order, how does that happen? How does that happen? If it's just a, a, a thing made out of thin air that, you know, it has no intrinsic value and is backed by nothing, how does that happen? And, and what people will say when you ask that is, well, look at the, you know, all the crazy shit that's been pumped up in value that was valueless. Like, you know, if you go way back, like Enron stock or any kind of pot. Because who did it, though? Who did it? There, there, see, there isn't anyone who can pump Bitcoin up sustainably across 15 years. There is, it, it's not doable. It's not in, you know, now at least it's in ETFs, but until this January, it didn't even exist inside the financial system that is designed to be game that way. Um, <laughs> I love this. Bitcoin Puritan said, Peter Schiff tweeted an hour ago, it looks like Bitcoin isn't a digital gold, but a digital way to be against gold, so it's actually digital anti-gold. Okay, yeah, this dude, like... Just don't be him. Just don't be him. And by the way, I think he's completely full of shit. I bet you Peter Schiff owns a piss load of Bitcoin. I really don't believe him at all. Anyway, moving on. Um, we have got to start looking at what is the competitor here. Right? In, 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 in Trump's words, it's the big, beautiful, strong U.S. dollar. Right? Well, with all respect, do or not do to Trump, he doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. Because here's what the big, beautiful, U.S. powerful dollar did, huge dollar did, from 1971 till today. I mean, it's one thing to look at a graph, and it goes back to 1913, and you have now like two cents left on the dollar. But if you look at your screen, if you're on the video right now, 
you'll see that in 1971, a dollar was worth $7.62. You had a purchasing power of almost eight bucks with one dollar in your pocket. The cumulative price change, this is bad, right? This is a negative. 661%. The dollar has experienced inflation to the negative against its value of 661% in the lifetime of many of you listening to this. And even if we take some of you younger folks, we're still looking in the neighborhood of 500% inflation cumulative across time. And this is something that they hide this from you. Inflation was 2.25% this year, or whatever, right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it was this year. It matters what the cumulative effect of it is over time. And you have these giant spikes, and then the cumulative effect compounds on those. So, you know, you have Brandon and his Brandon administration out there when they can, you know, think clearly because they're not dealing with the overwhelming stink of the crap in Biden's pants. They're, they're out there telling you how inflation is under 3% right now, but it's 3% on top of like the 8%, and that's just the official number according to CPI that he created in the first place, right? And that means that that 3% is a lot worse than if it was 3% on top of a 3%. But when you go 3 on 3 on 3 on 3 on 3, if they actually manage to get close to their goals over 10 years, the compounding effect is, well, it's cancerous. You're trying to store water in something that has as many holes as a little seed pot that I'm holding up. That's what you're doing. Except the seed pot is full of paper towels, so it's slowly weeping out. But you keep throwing water into the kettle, and you're wondering why it never fills up. It's leaking. That's what that 600 plus percent is. That's the value of your dollar leaking. And what you need to really understand is this will not get fixed. There is no plan to fix it. The plan is if we do a really great job, the bucket leaks by about 2.5% per year forever. But it's worse. We owe $34 trillion that does not exist. It doesn't exist. There's not enough money in existence to pay the debt that we owe. Right? There, is, there isn't enough money. There's more debt than there is money. And to make new money, you have to issue new debt to get new money to pay interest on the old money that you don't have the interest, you don't have the money to pay for, let alone the interest on top of it to pay for it. And we are now at a point where things have gone parabolic. Just like people told you would happen for most of your life, probably. And Well, is it coming? Well, here it is. Here it is. We have gone into a crazy amount of debt. And so, what do you do to stop this? Well, you contract the money supply and increase the value of money. But then you destroy yourself with the existing debt. The entire system is designed, it requires inflation to function. And the more debt, the more inflation you have to have to devalue the money that you already borrowed last year that you're going to pay off with money five years from now. There is no way. There's no way. It can't be done. You have two choices here. You keep doing what you've always done, damn the consequences, or you admit you fucked up and you build a new monetary system. So here's my question for you. Which one of those two things do you expect... The Federal Reserve 
the European Central Bank, the Chinese Central Banks, to do. And you, I don't give a shit when you tell me something about CBDCs. Yes, they're bad. Yes, they're evil. But it would not be a new monetary system underlying. It would just be a new way for you to spend space credits. It has nothing to do with a new monetary system. It has to do with a new way to control spending and to monitor spending and savings and investments and screw people over. It doesn't change the monetary creation and expansion at all. So what do you think they're going to do? I'll tell you what I think they're going to do. They're going to continue with business as usual because they don't care that you suffer for it or you hurt for it, and they figure in time it'll work out. Just like the captain of the Titanic felt when they told him there's a hole in the ship and it's felt, it'll be okay. We don't need to get really serious about this just yet. It's a little bitty hole. This ship is unsinkable. So let's say the Titanic can continue going across the ocean. But it's going to keep taking on water until it sinks. Let's say that it can get all the way to New York, but when it gets to New York, the water is up almost over the rails. Do you want to be on it? Do you want to take that chance? When do you think we will reverse course? What policy do you believe can be put in place that will fix the current economic situation? That will reverse inflation via deflation to correct 600% loss on money since 1971? It will never happen. We will have to reach a place of economic implosion and a rebasing of the currency. How long will that take? I don't know and pretend, I don't pretend to. Five years? Could happen. Not likely. Ten years? Maybe. More likely. This shit could go on for another 30, 40 years. Unless people decide exactly what 229 Mick just said. To exit the problem. If enough people exit the problem, eventually the inevitable will be truly inevitable. And so, one way or another, it's one of your only winning moves left. You know, one of the songs that's gotten in my head recently sounds like it's not about money and it's not about people at all. It was written by Dan Fogelberg in the 1980s, I think for CBS. Uh, and it's like the unofficial anthem of the Kentucky Derby. It's called Run for the Roses. And uh, you, you might think that has nothing to do with people at all, but there's a line in it that's, that is, your fate is delivered, right? Your fate is delivered. And, and in the next stanza, it says it's the chance of a lifetime in a lifetime of chance. Now, as a grandfather, you know, your fate is delivered, your moment's at hand, that, that line's hitting me harder than it ever has because I realize a lot of the big things in my life I'm past, right? And I also look at my grandkids and I think, you know, these kids are going to grow up and they're going to have chances of a lifetime during a lifetime of chance. And by the way, Dan Fogelberg apparently agreed with me that this song was about more than horses even though he wrote it about horses because he did a two-disc collection called Coming of Age and he made it the first song on the second side of the first disc to represent coming of age, right? And, and, but in, when, it, when it comes to Bitcoin, what's in my head with that, chance of a lifetime and a lifetime of chance. I don't think we get a chance of a lifetime. And this, this song, of course, the little horse grows up, does well enough to get into the Kentucky Derby, and that is the chance of a lifetime for a horse, a jockey, and an owner, right? And breeders and all of it. It's like one of the biggest things in the world in that space. But it's only for that, and it's a horse, 
humans, we get the chance of a lifetime, which means the best chance we get. We only get it once. We only get it once. That's what makes it the best chance we ever get. If it was another one, then that would be the new best one. All right? But we also get it in a lot of ways. We get probably one best chance to find the person we should really spend the rest of our life with. Right? That doesn't mean if you thought you did and you find somebody else that you, that was the best. It just means you, you're only going to get one best. You probably get your best chance at picking the right path in career or education. You get to a point where it becomes the best time to do a thing. And I think we also get to a point where we have our best opportunity economically. Well, you've been looking at it for a decade if you still are out of the game. It's there. It's not going away. And it's safer now than it ever was. The reward was higher 10 years ago. But the safety factor today is higher than it ever was. And there is no going back on this. Now that the ETF is here, you can't get rid of it. Like I, I noticed that a lot of the whole they're going to ban Bitcoin talk went away. Like Because once you have the Federal Trade Commission approve an ETF that's going to go into to pension funds for government workers, that's kind of done. And once you have people like Van Eck and BlackRock, etc., with their hooks into something, yeah, you know, that's where, for us in the Bitcoin space, the corrupt economic and political system of the United States is now at our advantage. See, I think that every single story in the world today has a Bitcoin angle, if you look hard enough. But certainly, dirty politics has a big Bitcoin angle, doesn't it? And now it's both positive for the renegade and positive for the establishment at the same time, just like I said would happen, and I've been calling that for about six years, said it was inevitable, and finally it did occur. Um, but the math of the dollar is one direction. Print more, and Bitcoin is fixed supply forever. Between now and 2150 or 55, I don't remember which one, doesn't matter because I'll be dead, there's about a million more Bitcoin to be mined in that entire 100 plus years. A million more. They can't. People say all the time, well, what about when everybody gets mad and wants more Bitcoin? Cry harder. It doesn't work that way. You don't understand math and computer code. You don't understand how the network works. You don't understand anything if you're asking that question. And by the way, I will, I'm going to do it today because i got a lot to cover. I'll answer that question. Don't take my comments at the beginning of this episode. I said if you're a hater, you're dead to me. I don't have time for you anymore. I did that for you know 11 years and I don't have any more in me. It doesn't mean I won't answer questions like that if they're sincere questions. So again, questions with the word all, all cap question in the beginning. I'll try to come back at the end. By the way, been starting them, but I think quite a few of them are actually kind of the same question. So we might consolidate when we get there. Um, now, the other thing I want to talk about is just some technologies that are only re really beginning to show up and be built on and for Bitcoin. And this will only continue to expand. One is Noster, and I'm going to throw it out again. If you're not on Noster, you need to be on Noster. You need to get on Noster. You need to start making connections. Go to my website, thesurvivalpodcast.com. Type in the search box, all is one word, Grow Noster. Learn about the Grow Noster initiative. Use it, and in no time at all, you'll probably have three or 400 people you're following and are following you on Noster, which for most of you is about, you know, 50x what you have on Twitter or MeWe or Facebook or what have you, right? So you really do need to be there because it's free speech for real. 
It's free speech. For, like there is no alternative than speech being free on Noster. There is you can block somebody so you don't have to look at them, but you can't prevent them from doing anything. And anybody that wants to follow them will follow them, right? And they actually see your content. That's actually really important too. Two twenty nine mix says. So it's interesting to me that I have twenty plus thousand followers on Twitter, and I'll post something, and you know, it's one thing if it doesn't get clicks or comments. Maybe I posted something and it was stupid. Maybe I thought it was cool, but it was stupid, and you guys are all like, "Jack's having a bad day." Jack, stupid. Okay, I get that. How do I have twenty plus thousand followers? I put something on Twitter, and like a hundred and eleven see it. How does that work in a fair, equal, real, non-shadow ban system? And the answer is, it doesn't. That doesn't happen. Tommy D says, "I rarely see your ex posts, and I post probably twenty posts and comments a day." Right. But if, if you're following me on Noster, you will see everything. But I think we need some new things on Noster. And one I think we need is we need a YouTube-like client built on the Noster universe and protocol. But we also need to do something else with Noster to make things like that work. We need to make certain features on Noster somewhat client-dependent. And so here's what I mean by that. Like, there are tons of Noster clients. My favorite one on the internet is, you know, I'm using browser-based, is Primal. Primal.net, I think, is the URL for it. I just like that one. Jack Dorsey has put a bunch of money into helping them build it out. It's got a lot of great features, etc. It keeps getting better, and they keep working on it. Um, I also like Domus and Snort and Iris and a bunch of other ones. But they're all basically... They all have different little feature sets, but they all pretty much are Twitter clones. So the problem becomes when you create something like a DTube, but on Noster, like a YouTube alternative, and then you do something and it's going to all these different clients in ways that maybe don't make sense for it. And so I'd like to see um, a stream, like a, a video platform on Noster that we can stream to using RMTP the way that I am streaming to YouTube and other platforms right now. And for anybody out there that's a coder that works in that universe, it's like, you know, the thing about that is it's it, it's going to incur an expense. Charge for it! You have Noster. It is a payment network. It's sitting there. I can pay you right now, and I don't even have to leave it. So if you want to say, like, if you want to stream more than 30 minutes, you know, once a week or whatever, it costs X amount of sats, price it. Price it. Build it. I'll pay. I'll pay. And build in a way that while you're watching my live stream through your Noster client, my listener can zap me instantly while I'm live, not after the fact when I've posted it. These are the types of things that will change everything in this space. And this is the beauty of it. The reason we have weak adoption, and I do consider it weak, of everything in this space, Bitcoin as a whole, I still consider the adoption weak. Strong Bitcoin adoption, when Bitcoin would already be a million dollars a coin right now, with strong adoption. Noster adoption is considerably weaker than Bitcoin adoption. Some of the other things like Lightning and Cashew and stuff... They're very weak adoption at this point in history. That doesn't mean they're weak tech or they're not going anywhere. But there's a reason that they're weak. People are too comfortable in their slavery. Um, 
I don't know what some people are waiting for when it comes to like, you know what I need to do is step out of my, my box and my comfort zone and actually do some things that give me freedom that other people can't do shit about. Like how far does the boot have to compress your throat, folks, before you say I've had enough of this shit, right? I, I, I've had enough of this shit and I'm not going to do it anymore. Uh, the pro and, and what Builder says on my uh, video platform, the problem is we need heavy-duty server farm and an internet, not every provider to provide enough for video. Anybody will do anything for enough money. There are people, like, again, charge for it. Get one good dedicated server, that's about 900 bucks a month. Go to 100terabytes.com, 100tb.com. It's now called something else. It's who I use. They'll do it. You can have as many servers as you want. Get one. Build it. If it doesn't work and you had to, you tried it for a year and you lose some money, you lose some money. That's called being an entrepreneur. There is no reward without risk. But charge for the service. It's not like we can't do it. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. And growth will fund the build. Growth will fund the build. You have to charge something. We have to start charging. I actually want to give you a bonus bullet point right now in this space on technology. And I actually had meant to include it anyway, and I didn't. So a guy that I follow on Noster, I can't remember his name right now on Noster. Um, it's something like a Satoshi synonym or something. Uh, Joe Nakamoto is who he is. He recently did a post, I think it was last week, and he said that I really tried to make a run of being a content creator and earning my living with V for V, which is value for value. Which means getting zaps on Noster, like if you're doing podcasts, getting you know boosts on Fountain or streamed value or whatever. And it kind of teed off. I wrote pretty much an article-length note in response to his, his post about it. And it was that value for value is not an income stream right now that you can live on. It isn't. And I think even for the people that at the, are at the top of the totem for it, like Adam Curry and Odell, it's not. It doesn't pay your bills. Here's how I know it doesn't pay your bills. About three years ago, when Fountain really came up hard, I went all in pushing Fountain. And I still love Fountain. I still listen to my podcasts on Fountain. I appreciate every sat you guys send me. Don't take what I'm about to say the wrong way. But when I say income, I mean I can pay my fucking bills with something, okay? So for nine months in the first year I was on Fountain... I was in the charts on Fountain of, of top 10 every week. I spent most of my time in the top three. I had multiple weeks where I was number one, and I beat Curry, and I beat Odell. And my show's not even about Bitcoin. I do these breakouts, right? So that my, it was TSP, the survival podcast, all my blended content, my garden, all permaculture, you know, prepping, alternative, all of it. That is what did it for the at the end of the year I was the sixth most popular podcast of the year and I was only on it for nine months of that year. I'm not bragging because it's about to not sound so great here in a minute. Okay? I had, according to Fountain, more individual followers, more individual streams, and more individual boosts than any other show in the Fountain ecosystem. And I ended up making in today's Bitcoin price about $8,000. Nothing to sneeze at. I'm glad to have $8,000 worth of Bitcoin that I wouldn't have had otherwise. 
it's it, I am not complaining. I'm just pointing out that at the time the total value of that Bitcoin was about $3,800 if I had been taking as it came in. And you can't live on $3,800 a year. I can't pay for my server. I can't pay for my server for $3,800 a year. My server is about $800. Bucks. My, my audio server, my put my websites on, all that, about $800 a month. So in the price today, I could have paid for my server this year from the Bitcoin I was paid on value for value two plus years ago. That is not an income that you can use to fund your operation yet. We're not there yet. And this is why we're early. Because it will be. There are so many technologies being built beyond the ones I'm mentioning today. We're going to actually get to a point where you can be, you're going to be paid to consider advertising. To like legitimately look at an ad and say, yeah, you know, I, I, I might be interested in that. Just to look at it and probably be incentivized to buy. And it will all be done automated. It will be built into protocols like Noster. And, and, but it will lay out in completely different ways. We'll change the way we even view the web and do search and all of it in time. That's what's coming. Um, lightning is being attacked. And the most obvious evidence of that is Wallet of Satoshi is now not in the App Store for Apple and Google Play in the United States. And that's because the government is saying, here's the things you have to do to be able to run this thing and be in the App Store. And Wallace Satoshi's like, you know what? Go, go get fucked. We're not doing that. We're not KYCing people so they can use a piece of software. And everybody's freaking out. I'm overjoyed. If Lightning didn't work, if Lightning wasn't everything we said it was, if Lightning wasn't as private already as we say it is, and it, it's not fully private, they wouldn't do this. You only attack something you fear. Well, it's software, guys. It's software. As long as you have a device that connects to something else and you can run software on it, don't care. It's inevitable. So go ahead, throw your... All this is is another form of bankster and statist tantrum. That's all that it is. I will tell you, what do you do if you have money in Wallet of Satoshi and now you're trying to send it somewhere and it won't let you because you're an American? It will let you if you send it back on chain. If you send it back on chain. So what you might have to do, let's say you got like five bucks in there or something. You may actually have to make a deposit so that you can do a send-all and be economically viable to do so. Or if it's a small enough amount, just don't worry about it. And someday maybe we'll figure out what to do with five bucks worth of Bitcoin that's going to be worth probably 50 bucks at some point. Uh, and then it will be worth moving it to a UTXO back on chain. It's just not really worth worrying about right now. And Because if there's enough money in there that you should care, send it back on chain. If there's not enough money in there, then it's not enough to really get in a, in, in a pants wad about, in my opinion. That's up to you. Uh, moving on, I want to talk about Cashu. C-A-S-H-U. So Cashu, and I'm going to bring up... this page for you guys if you are on the video. K 
CashU, and you can find it at cashu.space, is a eCash. It's, it's built on Bitcoin and deeply integrated with Lightning. And they're using mints with Lightning nodes to send and receive Bitcoin payments anonymously in exchange for eCash. Basically, it's a... It's like a placeholder, like all eCash is backed by units of Bitcoin. And it is freaking amazing, honestly, what, what they're able to do with it already. And it, this is something that a year and a half ago didn't even exist. And it's, an exa- it's another example of how we haven't even begun to figure out what we can do with Bitcoin yet. One of the things we really need to understand is that Bitcoin is digital money, and that makes it programmable money. Programmable money. And so what can we program money to do? And the answer is we don't know yet. We don't know yet because until Bitcoin, there was no such thing as programmable money. didn't exist. You could use money with software by using something like PayPal or a merchant account that allowed you to use the Visa or MasterCard network. But there was no such thing as programmable money. The base layer itself is digital and hence can be programmed. In other words, I can't write a piece of software that integrates the dollar. You understand that? I can write a piece of software that has payment capabilities on it, but it's going to have to integrate MasterCard or Visa, or some shit from Jamie Dimon that is a permission-based network. You know, people think that MasterCard is a fee-based network, and trust me, it's somebody that pays merchant fees. It's fee-based, but it's also permission-based. I have to pay a fee and be granted permission. And the permission is subject to revocation. Meaning if I build something really awesome, and it's working and people are using it, and the wrong person doesn't like it and makes a phone call or passes a law or creates a new bureaucracy or whatever, they can shut off the integration that I have with whatever payment technology I had. If I integrate digital cash into a thing, there is no permission. There's a cost, right? There is no free lunch, but there is no permission necessary to use Bitcoin. And people will say, well, I have to get permission to buy on Coinbase. That's a platform. It's not Bitcoin. It's a brokerage service that allows you to convert fiat into Bitcoin. More on that in a bit. It is not Bitcoin. You do not need... So you can go into a Coinbase account, and they have a feature where you can make a button, just like you do in PayPal. Pay me with Bitcoin. And then somebody clicks it, and your Bitcoin payment goes to your Coinbase account. Totally exists. Been around since 2012, I think they've had it. I used it back in like 2013, 2014, before I knew better. When I thought, you know, using Coinbase rather than just buying with Coinbase was a good thing. I didn't know. I had to learn like anybody else with this technology. It was brand new. No one knew anything yet, really. Even people that knew a lot didn't know shit compared to what average Bitcoiner plebs today know more than experts knew in 2013. Flat cold about Bitcoin and what's possible because a lot of it hadn't even been conceived yet that we're actually doing and using today. So 
I need permission from Coinbase to use Coinbase. I do not need permission from anybody to use Bitcoin. Right now, if I go generate an address, and if I were to drop it in here and say, BTC, send me, and, and if this meant, if this was actually a string of letters right there, there was an address for a Bitcoin wallet that I had. Anybody here could send that money there. And no one can do anything to stop it. You might say, well, Coinbase shuts me down and my, my Bitcoin's in Coinbase. That's why you're wrong and that's why your Bitcoin shouldn't be in Coinbase. Fine place to buy it. If you're buying over time and the fees are so high you don't want to give so much up and you want to hold Bitcoin there until you have maybe $500, bucks, and then do larger withdrawals from time to time when the mean pool's low, that's fine. I'm not worried about you losing that money. But if you're sitting there with all your holdings in Coinbase... You're wrong. If you want to be permissionless, you have to have custody. Right? If you have Bitcoin in your custody, you can hold it forever at no cost. No fees. You can spend it with anyone you want, whenever you want, and no one can do anything to stop it. It's programmable money. And we throw that word out, and then we don't explain what it means. That's the upshot. And over time, it can be built into any software. Basically, it can be built into any technology. Any technology. We, we, there's no reason we can't build vending machines on Lightning. You want a Coke? Beep! But Coke. Now you can give yourself diabetes, yay. We can, we can do any of this. There's bars that already serve beer, and the tap is Lightning-enabled. You get your own beer. You stick your glass under it. And the glasses are all, let's say, 16-ounce pints. You go, beep, and the tap you know, dribbles out nice and slow so you don't make a giant head, and you get a glass of beer that fast. It, beep, beer. What can't you do, then? We can do anything we want. Uh, I'm going to mark that, Amy, as a question, and we'll get back to it with my thoughts. Q&A, even though you didn't do all caps, please remember, question in all caps, you're going to be a lot more likely for me to see. Amy got lucky there. But make sure we put the word question in all caps. I'll be more likely to get to you. All right, so Cashew, built on eCash, definitely something to check out. I've reached out to Callie, one of the lead developers for eCash, Cashew, and asked if Callie would come on the show. We will wait and see if that happens. I'm actually going to do what I did with a lot of Bitcoin technology if I get a yes. And that is I'm not going to dig deeper until I get the guest And the reason I like to do that is I get to have the journey of discovery with you. If I already know everything, then interviewing the guests is an exercise. So anyway, with that, let's go ahead and uh, talk about something else I found very interesting. One of the biggest critics, one of the biggest critics in the world of Bitcoin has been Pocahontas herself. Or should I call her Fox Ahontas, right? Fake Pocahontas. Fake Pocahontas has run her ignorant, and it is an ignorant mouth, because she doesn't have any idea what she's talking about when it comes to Bitcoin or any of this stuff. This woman, you know, I'm told she's actually pretty smart. She was an economics professor at, I don't know, Stanford or Dartmouth or Harvard or some Ivy League freaking school. And she's actually a pretty smart person. A person can be smart and ignorant, 
Now, smart people are usually smart enough to shut up about things they're ignorant about, but when they spend enough time as a senator, they don't believe they're ignorant about anything anymore. But this report came out a few weeks ago at Bitcoin Magazine. Elizabeth Warren pivots on Bitcoin, honors Nakamoto with flag over the capital. And a lot of people made a big deal about this, and here's the actual certificate with Warren's signature on it. Flag of the United States of America is a certified company flag was flown over the United States Capitol in honor of Satoshi Nakamoto for the 15th anniversary of Bitcoin, the first truly inclusive financial system that is providing new economic freedoms to populations previously ignored by both public and private institutions. Americans are forever grateful. Now here's the thing. Warren pivoting on Bitcoin is a plausible thing as a thing. I don't think it happened here. I'll, I'll explain in a second. But it's a plausible thing in of itself if she was consistent with her rhetoric. I don't like the banks. I don't trust the banks. I don't trust the big corporations. We need to look out for the little guy. Then you should be a Bitcoiner. So that's plausible, and that's why I think this happened. I think it's a, I think it's a fast one that was pulled, honestly, here. Um, but... It was like a week before this, she was testifying in the Senate that we needed more regulations because Bitcoin is only used for, like, drugs and money laundering and terrorism. And a week later, she's signing off on flying a flag over the Capitol to honor Satoshi Nakamoto and Bitcoin. I'll show you why I don't believe it's real. I'll show you why I don't believe it's real. Let me hit the back arrow here, and that should take us to a... Uh, search result on Brave Search. And down here you'll see NASDAQ, NASDAQ.com articles, Elizabeth Warren pivots on Bitcoin, honors Nakamoto, right? But watch what happens when I click this search result. It redirects to an article about Lowe's and Zoom being goodbyes. It's scrubbed. It's gone. If you search NASDAQ.com for this article, it will show you that it doesn't exist on NASDAQ at all. It's not there. So what do I think happened? Well, what I think happened is someone inside Warren's administration is a Bitcoiner. And yes, the certificate is signed by Elizabeth Warren, but we know what really happens is they don't actually sign shit like this. There's people that have authorizations to like apply signature. And I don't know who did this. I don't know who did this, but I think somebody did this and it's not real. Elizabeth has been reached out to for comment and no comment has been coming. No denial or, yes, we did this. No confirmation or denial has been issued. When, where the article was published outside of like independent media, and it was, like NASDAQ, it's disappeared. And I think this was, this is embarrassing... I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to deny it, because if I deny it, it will draw more attention to it. Since it's mostly just like Bitcoin Magazine and shit, all the people that saw it are already Bitcoiners. It doesn't further the Bitcoin agenda. And the best thing to do is shut up. I told you she's not as dumb as she looks. right? She's probably smart about certain things. And politically, she's probably pretty smart. Because she's managed to stay in office for as long as she has, being an economic idiot with economics being her, her thing, right? This is a woman that's completely on the take for the, from the banks, 
who's made it out to look like she's completely opposed to the banks. Right? And she's just a communist is what she is. She's a big bank communist, right? Um, but I just think that I just think that this never really happened. And and this is one of those things I don't do is I don't I don't overly support or share or make a big deal out of things just because they're pro Bitcoin. From the moment I saw this, I was like something's rotten in Denmark. So be careful who you listen to. There's going to be a lot of stuff like this going forward. And I mean an absolute shit ton going forward. Another thing I wanted to talk about, the halving's coming sooner than you'd expect it to. And it's about eight weeks from right now. Two months. In two months, two things will be for certain. Nikki Haley will no longer be in the, in the, in the election race. She will drop out by then. I, I'm predicting after Super Tuesday's embarrassment, but who knows? That one I could be wrong about, right? I think that if there's any common sense at all left, that will be the case, unless she's just hanging on for Trump to go to prison, right? Um, she'll be out of the race by then. But the one I know I'm not 99% sure, I'm 100% sure, in about two months, the number of Bitcoins produced in a day will go from 900 to 450 in half. Let's go back to where we started. The ETFs, eight, let me check my notes so I say it exactly right, 3.48, call it three and a half times, all the Bitcoin produced in February went into ETFs. Three and a half times more than newly mined. Do you see why the price went up? When the halving occurs, when the halving occurs, that's 7x. Or 6.98, whatever, if you want to like be technically accurate. And remember, I rounded the numbers down anyway. But you're going to go to where, if we continue to have inflows like this, and they should grow. Because I bet you there's not one person in this live stream, and there's about 100 people here. There's not one person who's going to tell me that their HR Karen has made an announcement yet that you can buy a Bitcoin ETF in your 401k, is there? If there's one, tell me. I'll, I'll be happy about it. I want to know, but I don't think it's there. So we haven't even gotten to that yet. This is still kind of an out there thing. Sure, anybody with a brokerage account, any pension fund manager, any chartered investment group, no matter what their charter, can now buy Bitcoin. Great. We're still scratching the surface on this. So as they begin to make inroads, and don't think they're not going to try. And, you know, I, I figure, you know, people like Van Eck, I figure this is their actual game plan. Van Eck is, you know, one of the lower accumulators of, of Bitcoin within their ETF. They're successful, but they're small potatoes compared to, like, BlackRock and Grayscale, and etc. But they actually administer an awful lot of 401k plans. So I just see, like open enrollment, just sliding it in, just adding it as an option into all their existing... And why wouldn't you? And every single one of these companies that has 401ks that they are the administrator of is going to do that. So you're talking about net inflows going up and supply going down. And if you don't understand that, then you haven't done enough work on basic economic understanding, let alone Bitcoin. And again, I'm only willing to hold hands so much at this point. 
I did that in the past. I'm tired. I'm working at an advanced state with people in this right now. Just to understand where we are in the process historically, I'm not taking you back to Genesis Day anymore. I'm just not doing it. If you want uh, education on Bitcoin, go to the BitcoinBreakout.com, go to episode one, and listen to the first ten episodes. And you'll know more about Bitcoin than a lot of people that claim to be experts on it. You'll definitely know more about Bitcoin than the average person they put on TV to talk about Bitcoin. And I don't mean the haters. I don't mean Jim Cramers. I don't mean everyday... I'm talking about people that are all in on Bitcoin. You'll know more than most, not all of them. You won't, you know, I don't think after that you'll know more than Mike Saylor or Nat Brunell. But, you know, Pompliano, definitely. Definitely. If you just listen to those first ten episodes, maybe twice. So I'm not going to tell you that I won't help you. I just, I'm not going to stop at this point and go back to kindergarten, Bitcoin kindergarten. We're... We're kind of in like AP Bitcoin 12th grade right now. And we're going to stay there for a while. Um, but a beginner's question, and this is, this is necessary to answer only because of the sheer number of times I answer it every day in my email. I want to buy Bitcoin. You finally broke through my thick skull. I signed up for an account with insert exchange name here. They want my driver's license and my social security number to KYC me, and that seems sketchy. It's not sketchy. It's the law. It's the law. They have to do that, or they will go out of business. Expect, when you open a brokerage account for Bitcoin in 2024, to provide the same information that you would provide to E-Trade to open a brokerage account and be able to wire money from your bank account to E-Trade, buy and trade and sell stocks and options, after executing sales, take the money back out into cash and transfer it to your bank. It's the same requirement, period. And I will comment on that later, Builder of Castles, about ATMs. And while you could do that if you really want to, but it's still limited and don't think it's as anonymous as many people think. And I'm back to... We are at a point now where you have something 100% defendable. Like, you can't take Bitcoin by force. Okay? I don't need to hide my Bitcoin from the government. One day I'll want to borrow against it. And I'll want to report it as a loan that's collateralized by Bitcoin so I don't pay any taxes on spending cash flow. So I'm not worried about that. If you are, you can earn Bitcoin. You can buy it privately. One way or another. Those are your two options. But if you're going to join Coinbase or Stripe, Strike, I'm sorry, Strike or Swan or whatever, yes, they're going to ask you for identifying financial and identification information. They're going to ask you for a picture of your ID. They're going to verify that. You don't want to do it, then don't do it. But don't act like it's something crazy or something that, you know, um, doesn't make any sense, or they're doing it so they can steal your ID or some shit like that. It's it's just not the case. Again, if you want to buy for fiat, then you're going to KYC and to any exchange that's going to let you do that as an American citizen. I'm sorry. And most other countries, certainly Western countries, UK, uh, the whole EU, Canada, etc., they have very similar regulations, some stricter than the U.S., even though U.S. has stricter banking regulations than any other country in the world. Do you know why you can't get a Swiss bank account? 
Do you know why you can't get a Swiss bank account? Switzerland it does not think you're worth the pain in the ass required to give you one. Now, what I thought was really interesting is Hillary Clinton is an excellent salesperson for things that she hates. Like, probably the best gun salesman of all time up till now is Barack Obama. Barack Obama sold more AR-15s than any other single individual sold in the history of guns, right? Hillary Clinton, anything she condemns, she sells. And she made a statement recently about Bitcoin. It's like everybody walking around with a Swiss bank account in their pocket. Yes, it is, except the interest rate's better. And that's the point. And I'm glad you don't like it. I'm glad you don't like it. I'm glad you don't like it. I'm going to comment on that one too, Builder. All right. Moving on. Um, if you want to know where to buy, what to use, again, thebitcoinbreakout.com forward slash tools. And there's a tab right at the top of thebitcoinbreakout.com. It says Bitcoin Tools. Click on that tab. Tells you where I recommend, um, why I'm not only trying to seek perfection here, how I am not your technical support uh, resource in this, and then I give you all the different things that I have personally used and I am comfortable recommending. And again, I should probably do some updates, some additions, and some removals from this page. But if you're just trying to get started. You know, anything that's available to you there, I would still still recommend to you. So that's there if you um, want to have uh, access to, to finding out what to use. And I'm going to star that one, too. That's a little interesting thing to comment on there. All right. Then real quick, I just want to end with the statement of have fun staying poor. There is an entire community of people that have become referred to as Bitcoin maxis, and almost all of us are also referred to as toxic maxis. What's funny is many of us who would say we're Bitcoin maxis, which means we're maximalist Bitcoiners. We are for the immediate and full implementation of Bitcoin as rapidly as possible. That's all it actually means. That's what being a maximalist means. The idea that you're talking about, you are for its rapid, full, and complete integration into society. That's it. That's all it means. So there are people within that community that we call toxic because they're just needlessly assholes to everybody all the time. But all of us are called toxic by anybody that isn't one of us. Because we won't tell you that we love your shitcoin, we're toxic or whatever. But one of the most toxic sounding statements that comes out of this group is, that's fine, have fun staying poor. Now, I agree it makes you sound like an arrogant asshole. But let me tell you where it comes from. I have listened to bullshit that you think is brand new bullshit for 10 years, and I'm done talking to people like you about it. I have moved on from that part of my evangelism. I am no longer going door-to-door knocking and saying, have you heard the good news? I am now talking to people who know the good news and want to go further with it, and want to understand it better. If you would like somebody to hold your hand, then you need to go find somebody else to try to explain to him how Craig Wright really is Satoshi, even though he's getting his pants dropped and and spanked in court again. Right? I don't have time for you. 
you can talk you want to talk about Ripple, then you need to find somebody to explain to you what a market cap is. Not me. I'm not explaining basic multiplication mathematics anymore. I'm done. That's what that statement really is. That's what that statement really is. I'm done with your bullshit. You want to reject this information, that's fine. I've just told you I'm going up the hill because somebody left a fuckload of gold on top of the hill. I've told you that gold is heavy and I can only carry a small amount down the hill at a time. That there's no way I'm going to get all the gold. And if you want some gold, follow me up the hill. And you've told me the hill's too steep, somebody's going to take my gold, the zombies are going to eat it. What am I going to do? Bye. But but no, 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 no. I have fucking shit to do. I have gold to accumulate. I have sats to stack. I don't have time to listen to you anymore. Because you are now draining my time, energy and resources that could be spent helping people who want to be helped. But there's more to it. It hurts because it's true. The person that hears those words and gets triggered by them probably knew about Bitcoin 5, 10 years ago. Was probably told 5, 10 years ago, get some Bitcoin. Didn't do it. Could easily be a whole corner times 3 or 4. Without even a sacrifice, without even going to a lower quality beer. You could have still bought the Campbell soup instead of the Safeway soup, right? Like it wouldn't even have hurt. But you didn't do it. And you're probably just as poor as you were the first time you heard it and now you're bitter. And here's the reason. You can do everything right today. You can do everything correct today. You can live the way that your boomer grandpa or if you're like me and you're old as me, you can live the way that your World War II greatest generation grandpa told you to live. You can follow the rules, you can put aside your money, you can rein in your spending, you can do everything right. And the erosion of the value of what you earn and are able to save and invest will continue. And it will continue at a rate that your grandparents couldn't conceive of because their money was based on gold and yours isn't. And this is not just about people. The real message that Michael Saylor is bringing isn't Jack and Jeff and Dark Horse and Randy and other Dark Horse should buy Bitcoin because they're personal wealth is being eroded. We're like a byproduct of his message. Like yeah, you guys too. His real message is to who? CEOs, COOs, and CFOs of major corporations. And he's saying, "Hey, look, look at Argentina 20 years ago. And look at their inflation, and look what it did to their companies. You could be making money in profit hand over fist by the time you pay your corporate taxes to the government." and whatever you accrue in your treasury being eroded at 20% you can't survive the only thing you could do in argentina was put your money from pesos into dollars that was the only way to stop the bleeding well now the dollar's bleeding as bad as the peso you have no way out so when somebody tells you have fun staying poor what they mean is even if you work hard save your money buy a house put 10% to your retirement you're going to have your wealth eroded even if you end up with something compared to what you could have done for yourself 
compared to what you could have done for yourself, you will be poor. You could be mad. You could be angry. Right? You can cry, and you can cry harder, but you can't change this. This is math. The damage to the dollar is mathematical, and the defense and protection of Bitcoin is math plus technology. And self-interest. The people that defend the network, the miners and the node runners, are incentivized to defend the network because the most valuable thing they can do with their power, and I'm saying energy, electricity, the most valuable thing they can do with their power is participate in the network. It will cost them to not participate in the network, and it will profit them to participate in the network. It's, I've said this a long time ago. I'll say it one more for people. Dark Horse, I'm ignoring you. You, you can make excuses or money, not both. Okay? You can, you can right now defend your wealth or let your wealth be eroded. You don't have another choice. There isn't another choice. It's a sarcastic asshole statement to say, stay out, have fun staying poor. But it's because people are fed up with trying to help you. And I'm not talking to you individually, dude. Don't think I am. You're not in my mind. I know you think I am. because I'm, I'm, See, what, what's happening right now is there's one person here that since I've interacted with him before, I'm hitting the mark so close that he thinks I'm talking to him. I bet when this audio goes out, there'll be several thousand people that will feel that way. Why? Because this is universally true. All right, guys. Let's hit some questions. There's a bunch of them, so I'm going to go like lightning round fast. Chase O, how long before we see the fall of Bitcoin prices to prepare for the next cycle? My fucking head hurts, dude. Like historically, 18 months. And you'll miss out on so much in that time. And we never had a floor supported by an ETF coupled with a halving before. If you're waiting for prices to go down to buy right now, just send your money to me and just give it to me. Just give me your money. I'll do better with it than you will. Seriously, send me all your money. I'll buy Bitcoin with it. And you don't have it. And have fun. And I don't mean to be a dick there, right? Like, what I'm saying is, there's people that think they're going to time the market. And there's people that realize, while there are macro moves in Bitcoin, that the smart move is to buy some Bitcoin every week or every month. And to do it forever. And to stop trying to outsmart a market that requires you to think in an illogical fashion to beat it. Uh, Somo says, what do you see when you compare election time frame with Bitcoin price spike surges? 67 in 2020, maybe 100K in 20. It'll be way over 100K, by the way. It is coincidental. It, is coinc it has nothing to do with the elections at all. And it will forever stay in lock with elections. Unless the conspiracy theorists are ever right and they cancel them for a year or something because of some bullshit. Which, by the way, don't you notice that every year they're going to stop the elections. They're going to cancel it, and it never happens, and they keep saying it. Um, so Bitcoin was launched in an election year. There is a halving cycle every four years. We have elections, general elections, every four years. 
It is a calendar synchronization. If Bitcoin would have been launched a year after the election and the halvings came in, you know, 09 and so on every four years, then it would be the year after the election. That That's, that's just the way that it is, right? Um, same person says, do you think Bitcoin will dip again after the election like it did after 2020? Probably. How far down? I don't know. I know this, that if you look historically, people that played this game lost, right? I, I don't think you're going to figure out when to buy. Because what you could do is dollar cost average across time, and you could build yourself a slush fund. So how does that work? That means that I have this place I buy Bitcoin, and I have to make deposits to it. I have a direct deposit. I do bank transfer whatever. Right? I move money from PayPal and whatever it is. You could, if you're going to buy, let's say, $100 a month, and you set your own budget. So don't say that's too much or too little. I'm just using round numbers. $100 a month. Move $120 in. Buy your $100. Next, next cycle, whether it's monthly, weekly, I don't care. $120 goes in, buy $100. $120 goes in, buy $100. And stack cash. So there's this surplus of cash. And this is what I call modified DCA, and it's exactly what I do. And then you go on Twitter one day, and people are like, my Bitcoin crashed. And you're like, woohoo. And you look at it, and you go, you know, going down 1.4%, guys, is not a crash. But one day you go there, and it really did. It really did. Or we've crested an all-time high, especially for the double shoulder peak. And it starts coming down. You just say, you know, I think I'm just going to let that sit there for a while, but I'm going to still do my regular buys. And I'm going to still accumulate a little bit of extra cash. 10-20% more than my buy. And eventually, you're sitting there going, yeah, 18K, I'm just going to throw it all at it. And you called the be- you're Jack Spirico, so you called the bottom at 14.4. You end up being off by like 500 bucks. And well, you wasted money. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. And every damn one of you right now, if you could buy Bitcoin at 18K, would buy all you could get. Don't try to beat the system. Work the system, right? Do you think the pension funds buying Bitcoin ETFs will make 61022.0 less feasible politically? I don't know what that is. You're using a code for a bill or something. If you want to clear that up, I'll come back to it. I don't know what that is. But if it's a law that says Bitcoin is bad, it will probably make it more difficult. But if it's a law about pension funds in general, I don't know. You'd have to explain to me what it is. Question from Mick. Can you talk through the plus and minuses of holding a Bitcoin IRA versus just holding an IRA with one of the ETFs in it? There isn't an advantage for you unless you have a self-managed Bitcoin IRA where you hold your own keys. If you hold your own keys... The advantage you have is if your entire world goes to shit and you need to run away, like grab your passport and your Glock and run to another country, yes, you'll incur tax penalties and all, but let's say your life is falling apart, you become a fugitive or something, you have immediate access to the money. In an ETF, you have a brokerage account and whatever. So if you have a self-controlled, self-directed IRA where you hold the keys or even have a multi-sig where you hold two of three and your custodian holds one, but it takes two to move the money, 
you could theoretically take your money out illegally if you had to. If you're sitting there with a regular old-fashioned IRA, personally, I would hold an ETF. I would hold an ETF because it's immediately liquid through your brokerage with your IRA. It's already publicly declared. There's no anonymity whatsoever. But I actually want to answer a different question here because I did give. I'm not doing a politic thing where I don't answer the question. I answered it. I want to say another thing about this though. There's not that much advantage to putting Bitcoin into an IRA if you're not going to trade regularly, which I don't. Because what does an IRA do? It means you can make money without paying taxes. However, where the ETFs really shine is if you have you've been a good aunt and you've always put money in IRAs, and you have a lot of capital in an IRA right now, now you can just buy an ETF. And so I look at an IRA with Bitcoin like I look at an IRA with silver or gold. These, these physical metal IRAs, they were invented by people that sell physical metal. To access the money that you have in a 401k or an IRA, That's what they were... They, there's no practical purpose to a physical metal IRA. None. It doesn't make any sense. You've taken the most anonymous wealth in the world, and you've made it public and subject to scrutiny and oversight. If you want to hold silver or gold, hold silver or gold. You're not going to trade physical metal regularly. No one does it. I haven't had somebody pay in silver for an MSB membership for like... Eight years. And people buy with Bitcoin like once every week or two. I, I get an order for Bitcoin, at least. Sometimes they get four or five in a week. When we first started doing MSB and we started taking silver, I got silver weekly. So that, that world is gone. So you're not going to trade silver or gold rapidly. So if you want to hold and you want exposure to metals in an IRA, buy SLV or GLD. If you want exposure to Bitcoin in a classical IRA by Van Eck or Franklin or BlackRock or whatever. It's all the same. It really is. Um, Chuck says, will Bitcoin be the last crypto standing? I'm going to say probably, but not definitely. Crypto is a thing that can be made now. That genie will never go back in the box. What I will say is that the mistake you're making is calling Bitcoin crypto. There is Bitcoin which is a base economic layer of programmable money, and there is crypto, which is an also-ran version of Bitcoin, some clone, copy, or re-engineered thing of the original. And so I do think that there will be a big, and I mean a big, legislative push against crypto right now. Not Bitcoin. Because some of the biggest money players in the world now benefit from Bitcoin's success. And everything that hurts the crypto ecosystem at this point benefits the Bitcoin ecosystem. Another way to put it, I said this, I must have said this the first time 10 years ago. Crypto needs Bitcoin, but Bitcoin doesn't need crypto. If you took the top 40 altcoins that exist right now, with the exception of stablecoins, because there's a lot of leverage in that place, but ETH and Bitcoin Cash and all the shit, right? And they just went away tomorrow. They just went to zero. Bitcoin would probably go down for a week or two while people freaked out and the FUD ran. 
and the equivalent false equivalency was made. But eventually it would just go right back to where it was. It would just go on with its life. But since anybody can spin up a crypto now, I don't know that there'll ever not be any. And I still think there might be some useful technology that uses blockchains. But it will never be what you've been promised it would be. Even in the past when I thought it would become that. You know, I'm a reformed shitcoiner. I looked at things, you know, like Cosmos and like Algorand and all. And there was interesting use cases for the tech. But once we started to realize what we could do with Bitcoin and building layered technology, things like eCash with Cashew, Lightning, Fediments, etc., every use case for all these alternatives died. So it might not be that there are none of them there, but there will be very few people in another 10 years that will care that they're there. Uh, 229 Mick, is there any chance the establishment money really gets into Bitcoin that it will be declared currency rather than a commodity so the elites won't have to pay taxes on it? Probably not, because the elites don't pay taxes now. And Michael Saylor did something that I believe basically in the billionaire club, he's considered an asshole scumbag uh, deviant now by the other members of the billionaire club. He told the truth about something to the peons. Rich people buy appreciating assets, take loans against them, and never sell them. And if they ever do sell them, they roll them into a higher amount in the same asset class. With real estate, we have a rollover procedure. There's no need to upgrade to a better Bitcoin, so you just keep adding more. So I don't know that they'll ever do that. Now, do I think they should? Well, since I'm opposed to all taxes, that's an easy answer, yes. But I think you will see more nation states make Bitcoin currency so there's no taxes on it. If you can get enough countries to do this, it starts to hurt the ones that don't. And if any, let's say if one G7 nation did it, all of them would. I mean, really, like within a few years. If a G20 nation did it, it would probably create a longer, slower cascade effect. If it was like like G19, you know, country, like one of the last ones in that space. But it definitely could happen. I, I wouldn't bet on it, though. I wouldn't wait on it. SOMO, follow-up to the follow-up. Does one candidate winning versus the other change the option of Bitcoin ascension or dip? No. No. Doesn't matter who wins. Neither one of them is really friendly. Biden is president now, and Bitcoin is on a tear. Trump's pretty neutral. I prefer the U.S. dollar, but I'm not going to do anything about Bitcoin. Right? So, no. No. And it's, you know, with you know, the occasional rabbit being pulled out of a hat, it's that's you get President Brandon or President Orange Man. Right? So, uh, Builder says... Theta is probably the new thing coming for video serving across the net. It pays people to partially provide internet streaming. So I get that. It's like a uh, a modern version of LimeWire, I guess, where you have different sources. And so everybody's holding pieces of the video and everybody's serving little pieces. I love that idea. Um, the beauty of that, if it were built and integrated into Noster, you could have real-time payments flying around. So let's say, and you could set your price. 
So you could set up a few computers, run as servers in your house, and you could say, to access my honeypot of data, all these videos I'm hosting, is, you know, X sats per Y amount of space. And then you have a marketplace driving costs down with more and more people competing to do that. And, and that's something I've never actually heard anybody suggest before, ever. I've never heard that suggestion. His statement about Theta, which I don't know anything about, just made that come into my head. When I say we're early, that, that's what I mean. Um, why did Coinbase stop transacting in Monero? Because every privacy coin is going to be driven out of the mainstream brokerages by a government because government hates them. So this is, again, what did I say when I was still a partial shitcoiner? You either have to give me a use case that Bitcoin doesn't do, or you give me something Bitcoin can't do, which is be private. So if you take a base layer tech that's public and you build privacy technology for it, the base layer doesn't care. Base layer doesn't care that this Bitcoin went through lightning nodes and through cashew mints and came back out the other side. It's just Bitcoin when it comes out the other side. And there's no way to really exclude that. I mean, there's been some fun about it, but if you understand how it works, it's not really doable. It's not really doable. So you have to think of Bitcoin as a bearer instrument or a bearer bond, meaning that it is equal to cash and fungibility anywhere in the world. Right? So, yeah. Um, but yeah, they're going to... Everything's getting the kibosh in the, in the privacy coin world. Chase says, I hear a lot of talk about Monero being more private than Bitcoin. Are you still a Bitcoin maximalist or are you open to Monero? I just covered that. No. No. I have some Monero. I didn't get rid of it or anything, but not much. You know, a lot of Monero maxis are like, Monero is going to be the real Bitcoin. This is something you have to understand. If you go back and read all the stuff on the, on the chat board where Bitcoin was conceived and hashed out, between Satoshi Nakamoto and others that contributed to it, like Hal Finley, there was a real consideration to making Bitcoin a privacy coin. The reason it wasn't done is because, for looking, you could see this happening. And so people would trust Bitcoin. The beauty of Bitcoin is it's auditable by anybody. And if you made it a privacy coin, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't truly be. And now think about the fact that you know how I said that all of the ETF funds would release their Bitcoin uh, addresses? They haven't all done it, but we already know what they are. That chart that I gave you, there's a link in the show notes today. You can click and it shows like VanEck, BlackRock, all of the addresses. It's the ultimate keep people honest in the mainstream world of finance technology. There, there, there's no place for this anymore. Do you think the Lightning Network will make privacy coins like Monero and Private Chain completely unnecessary? Lightning by itself, no, but the technologies we're talking about, yes. Amy, why has John Bush adopted Monero for exit and bill free calls instead of using Bitcoin? Because he doesn't want to report his income. And it's fine for that. It's fine for that. John can do it. He's a big boy. He can do whatever he, we, he wants to. 
John still believes that someday Bitcoin Cash is really going to prove that big blocks are the way to go and all. Hey, John wants to believe that. John gets to believe that. I don't, I don't hate him for it. I don't hate on him for it. I don't put him down. He's just wrong. Build Now, for right now, being able to accept Monero and do it privately, okay, fine. There's still some non-KYC Bitcoin ATMs. Yes, and you're going to pay a lot more for your Bitcoin than you would through a conventional channel. This is a huge premium, and you have to buy small amounts. And you need a phone number. So unless you have a true burner phone with no association to you, not going to work. My understanding, anyway. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Builder also says a $6 hammer is really uh, powerful. Um, What he's saying is if somebody starts beating you with a hammer... You'll tell them your 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 backup phrase. You probably don't even know what it is. You probably can't. Now, what you could do is unlock your wallet for them. But if you're doing self-custody with a hardware wallet, it's not with you. I mean, could somebody break in your house or something? Sure, but that's true of anything you own of value. What's the value of the car sitting in your driveway? Um, but that's individual case by case. And you also, they don't know what you have. They might get away with 20% of what you have and think it's all of what you have. You know, if we're going to start saying that somebody can beat information out of you, that's always been the case and always will be. Um, But there are things you can do. There's wallets that have distress codes that completely lock the wallet and erase it off a device. I bet you there's probably a wallet out there that would make it look like you sent the money to somebody and you didn't. And if there isn't, there should be. We just have to be careful that that can't be used for abuse with purchasing. That might be why it's not a thing yet. Um, the EU de- requires you to declare when you travel with over 10,000 euros cash, but I can carry millions of euros worth of Bitcoin in my head anywhere on the planet. Yes, you can. That's where Hillary Clinton was right. It is like you walking around with a Swiss bank account in your pocket. Plus, you can't... So let's say you follow the letter of the law. And the government says, if you travel with more than 10,000 euros, $10,000, whatever, you have to declare it. Do I have it? Do I have it? Does that mean if I have a 401k at home and there's half a million dollars in it, I have to declare that if I go to Canada or Ireland? No. I don't have it with me. Do I have login information to my account? Sure. Might I even have a bank account with a half million dollars in it? And a debit card that I can spend money with in France. Do I have to declare that? No. Do I have to say this card has access to more than 10? No. So I'm following the letter of the law. I never possess Bitcoin anyway. I possess information that allows me to sign transactions on a blockchain. You don't, I don't own any Bitcoin. You don't own any Bitcoin. None of us own any Bitcoin. I have custody of access information to some Bitcoin that's on the blockchain. Legally, that's really, really important. Um, Randy says, what guidelines are worth evaluating and defining the amount of Bitcoin one needs to hold to apply the methodology of using some of it as an asset for collateral and loans? We don't know yet. We don't know yet. How much do you want to borrow? How much can you borrow across how long without exceeding a threshold of about 2% per loan? Because 
you'll be able to do it and create a cash flow of $10,000 a year forever with not much. But is that how much you're going to need? Is that how much you're going to need? I think that the real cash flow from Bitcoin in the future will be providing Bitcoin liquidity on things like Lightning for an interest payment. And you'll pay tax on the interest, but not the underlying asset. And as the underlying asset's value goes up, the income stream off it will go up, and the taxes will remain constant with how much you make. And all surplus can then go back into Bitcoin and compound into the leverage. And that will be doable in a way where you can't lose. Your money provides liquidity but remains under your control through smart contracting with a guaranteed time of return. And then you choose whether you enter into that system again. So if I had $10 million worth of Bitcoin and I was making 5% on my money, is that half a million dollars a year? Yeah, I'll pay tax on the half a million dollars a year, but it's passive flow income. I would rather do that than leverage my Bitcoin uh, as a borrower against it as collateral if that option was there and you know versus the other one. But I think it will be a mix for some people. I think it depends on how much cash flow you want and how much you have. But most of the people asking this question have very little right now. So the answer really to your question is more. More, right? Uh one more, and I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap up. Missile launch. What's a good ratio of metal to Bitcoin for simple saving strategy? I like keeping five percent of my net worth in precious metals. I don't even pay attention to the ratio of Bitcoin to my net worth. I buy Bitcoin all the time. It's that simple. I and I agree with Builder. Then I don't think a ratio is applicable anymore. So you have to start looking at Bitcoin as the best form of money, not an investment asset. It's money. And it might be volatile, but across time it goes one direction, up. And all you got to do is zoom out on the chart from inception. Zoom out on the chart from any place across five years, and you'll see what I mean. All right, guys, I appreciate you being with me today. And uh, if you like the show and the work that we do, You can do your online shopping beginning at tspaz.com, and that's mostly reviews on Amazon. I have now created a direct relationship with a company called Vivor, and I want to show you the item that I'm leading off with here. I had these yesterday. These are galvanized raised garden beds. These are an investment because they produce something, food, right? They are bigger than they look in this picture. I'm going to have a video out this week of one I just put together so you can get a better idea of scale. And I'm going to show you how I would fill it and what I would do with it and what have you. Um, but these are a hundred bucks. Four foot by eight foot by two foot deep. And uh, I really, really recommend that you take a look at these. They're on my website. And I did something that I should have done on the first day. I've added an option for you. So they make these two foot deep, four by eight by two. And that's what I use because it keeps ducks and dogs and cats out of my gardens. They're just less likely to do it. But they also make the exact same one in a one foot high. And this looks really low. It's a foot high. It's, you know, it's higher than two two by sixes because that's 11 inches. So this is, um, 
11.8 inches, two-tenths of an inch shy of a foot high. This may be a better option for some of you. They're $65.99. And I just really recommend, if you haven't gotten gardens put in yet and you want to, you check these out. And I'm going to have a whole bunch of stuff coming from Vivor. I'm not going to stop recommending things on Amazon. I'm really not. Um, I'm going to do both. I can just get you better pricing for Vivor product from Vivor that I can get you pricing for Vivor product from Amazon. This garden bed is available on Amazon down in my PS down here. I have a link right here. And uh, nope, that's the wrong link. Let me fix that right here. So here's the same product for $123 on Amazon. Or you get it from, you know, the way I have hooked up for you guys for less than 100 bucks. If you register with Vivor through my link, the price will go from $140 to $100. And then if you use the code that's in the write-up, you'll get another 5% off. And you get 5% off anything using that code as well going through my link. So definitely consider checking that out. Uh, again, you can pay more if you want to buy it from Amazon. I'm just looking out for you guys and negotiating terms to get you guys the best deals that I can. Anyway, with that, I am going to wrap up. Thanks for tuning in today. I know that I can sound like an asshole in response to some people when I talk about Bitcoin. But it's just, it's 11 years of frustration, guys. It's me staying true to what I've stayed true to for 11 years. I know that I've even mentioned today that I am a reformed shitcoiner. But I always said Bitcoin before everything else. That Bitcoin was a little gamble back in the day, but it was pretty damn safe. And everything else was Vegas money. In 2016... I did a presentation at a TSP workshop on crypto and mining and costs and the future of everything. And even though I was talking about various other crypto technology, I must have said 10 times in that presentation. I bet you there's somebody in the live stream today that was there. But Bitcoin will probably still eat everything. I was saying that in 2016, 2017, 2018. Bitcoin will eat everything. It's now eating everything. And Builder is right. Builder is right. Bitcoin seems high now, but it's just the beginning. These are rookie numbers. These are rookie numbers. It is inconceivable that this is the best that it gets for Bitcoin at this point. It's up to you what you do with that information. But I want to finish with why this is a survival topic. I'll tell you what I told the guys from Albi when I said come on the show and talk about the Albi wallet. Well, we'll go look and we'll find whoever in our crew is most into survival. You don't need to worry about that. Money is the ultimate survival topic. This is the best money that man has ever created for man to use. You either care because you understand that or you don't. With that's been Jack Spearco with another edition of the Survival Podcast. Are they gonna bail you out or just run you around? They said you should have a house the American way. A dollar down, a dollar a month, and you never have to pay. There's a better way. Show you a better way